0: So, what we're going to be speaking on this morning is resurrection life. Resurrection life. Who reckons they got a good handle on what that is? Yeah. The uh, the aim of this morning is to um, for these guys just just to discuss it. Um, so every Tuesday morning uh, we have we have a staff meeting uh, from ten till twelve, and it's sort of like maybe your your life groups where you meet during the week where it's these discussions and sometimes actually a lot of the time it's like someone will throw something out very confidently this is the truth and then clay or someone else will go mm, not so much and we discuss it and and maybe maybe greg's like oh we'll just start here and then we'll talk about this and we only just got into the first little bit but What we wanted to do this morning is bring you into one of these discussions and for these guys just to discuss what resurrection, (laughs) resurrection life, I nearly said revelation life, resurrection life is to them. So Clay, why don't you kick us off, buddy?
1: Uh, What's my first question? I (laughs) know.
0: The first question is, what for you has been the most powerful aspect of Christ's resurrection?
1: Mm. Most powerful aspect of Christ's uh, resurrection uh, for me has been that that same resurrection has been offered to me and because he was raised from the dead. I also would be raised from the dead, but not, not just a, a physical uh, death, not you know the end of days and heaven, new heaven and new earth, but raised to a, a new life now. Uh, when he was raised from the dead, he was raised into a new life, and, and everything was different. He was different. and And that's the same for me. What was accomplished in him was accomplished So that the same thing could be accomplished in me and Romans 6 talks about just how we were Buried with Christ through baptism We are raised with him Into a new life And so for me the greatest thing is you know, Not that the son of God was raised from the dead I expect that I expect that God can raise raise him, His son and, and would want to but the fact that that's for me as well That I am Through him raised to a new life A new life now and a new life in eternity.
0: Was it an automatic change, though?
1: Was what, the new life? Yeah. Uh, happened straight away. Well, positionally, spiritually, yes. I believe that there was a transaction that, that occurred in the spiritual. Uh, but as is often the case, it takes a, a while for my mind to catch up. It takes a while for my flesh to catch up. And I think that's actually the ongoing journey of sanctification, that it takes a while for the rest of me to catch up. Uh, it's, it's like I'm, I have a new life, but I'm still partially blind to it. I can't see or discern what it is he has for me. So my journey with him is these scales been continued to pull off so I can see the life that he has for me and choose to live in it. So, yeah, some things I think are instantaneous, but I think f- f- walking out the reality of them, yeah, I've still got a ways to go.
0: Cool. Mel, most powerful aspect of Christ's resurrection?
2: Um, I think it's, uh, for me, it's been um, that in in death and being resurrected, it's in union with him and, the, and coming to life in him, coming alive in him and to him. Uh, so, I, yeah, it's the... It's the union and the knowing, the intimacy we can have with Him as as one. And um, I just want to read uh, Romans because this was amazing. Um, stuck out the other day. <clears throat> Romans four um, six. I'll just start from. Uh, for when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will uh, for a righteous man will uh, one die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, gr- Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only that, but we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, th- through whom we have now received the reconciliation. And I think it's um, to rejoice in that, that not only have we, have I been reconciled to him because of separation, but now I live through him and in union with him through the resurrected life of Christ, that I'm no longer, uh, we're not two entities, not just me by myself and him on his own, it's now through the baptism, through death, and through um, the resurrected life, we, I'm, I'm raised with him, and I'm now with him, and we are now one, you know, coming into the oneness of Christ. So for me, that's it, I think. The union, that's the greatest aspect, the intimacy for me anyway, to now be with him as one.
3: Yeah, sure. Um, 1 John 3, um, 16 says, No greater love is this than a man should lay down his life And uh, for for another. And for me, I think I am overwhelmed by God's love um, in sending his son to us um, to lay down his life for us and, and the... The extremity of love is not something that I can, I can comprehend in my own mind. Um, but as the Spirit has revealed that that love, uh, didn't die with him and go with him when he ascended, it came in and through his Holy Spirit to dwell in me that I can also share in that same love with, with you. And that the body of Christ is now, um, is now the hands and feet of that resurrected life and um so for for me it's been that fantastic journey of recognizing that when and the necessity for the seed to die and for fruit to come forth um that in the same way he's doing that same work in my own life where um i have to put my own way of of uh, flesh or of, of the way in which I think love is defined that was put to death <laughs> through the resurrection, uh, the death and resurrection of, of Christ. And now his love has been deposited. It has been something that has been established. And, um, it's, it's fantastic to, to know that that comes from him and from him alone and to experience that and to be able to share that because it's not something in my own strength. It's not something that I can muster up, but it's something that he deposited in and through um, that act. Okay,
0: so I'm guessing it hasn't been a one-off revelation. Is that right? So each time, does he sort of give you um, revelation that builds on the last, so it gets bigger and and a deeper revelation? Would that be right?
3: Yeah, I mean, for in particular with this uh with the aspect of seeing and um and knowing his love he he goes that step further and of, of revealing more of uh, of the picture uh and um and it's not a, a putting of, of condemnation that you haven't reached it yet or anything along those lines. He's just saying look open your eyes to the magnitude of, of who I am, of what I did um, and allow that to become your reality. Don't just see it as a, a one-off event that keeps reoccurring every year, but actually see it as something that is established in you from day one and actually allow that to to permeate, allow that to grow, allow it to be watered by the Spirit. And um, the more that that happens, the greater it
0: comes through. Okay, so because this is something that I I sort of... Think about often is it's like if I don't have the full revelation right now, like you know that there's 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 more to it than what you currently know or comprehend. Then what's your responsibility with what you have? Like, do you just go? Oh, I'll just park all of it until I get the full picture, or like, what do you do? Do you just do you just wait? Like, what's what's your responsibility?
1: No, seriously, like that you won't get more until you're fully living in, in what you've already been given. I, I hear it all the time, you know, well, um, I, want, I want more of this. I want to want to go into something deeper. Um, I feel like we're you know, still talking about milk or you know simple things. I want to get into things deeper. But the question is, well, are you really living in the revelation of what you've already received? And I think maturity is something that, that builds, and we want to kind of jump to steps or maybe something intrigues us, and we want to get, get into that. But if we're not living in what he's already given us. Is he really going to be giving us something more, something else? Do we decide how our discipleship and our spiritual journey is going to go? Or is he going to reveal himself and his truth as and when he sees fit? And as we grow into maturity, he'll give us what is next. So now I think we need to fully grasp what we've already received, live in that. And as that maturity grows, then comes what he decides is next.
0: Do you think we can speed it up?
1: Like Be obedient? Yeah, that would help. <laughs> yeah. Well, this, this is my testimony. I dragged my feet time and time again, and so I didn't grow because I wasn't grabbing hold of what he already showed me. So, yeah.
4: I think um, we limit, for most of the time, the outpouring that he wants to do within us because he sees the true state of our hearts. So, as a loving father, I don't give my children what they're asking for, if I know that um, their maturity levels can't handle what they're asking for or whether they're a disobedient child asking to be rewarded for bad behaviour. So he sees the true states of our hearts and he knows what we can handle. And and because he can see the heart, and like what Clay was saying, he knows what we're doing with what we already have or what we've never actually partaken of. Um, And so... You know, like he says, if you ask, you can knock, you're fine. But there's also the motive aspect of the heart's required, and there's a number of issues or a number of tensions that exist within that that thing. But ultimately, um, I long to bless my children, my physical children. It's my heartbeat. I long for them to receive and for them to become all they can be. But at the same time, love will not give... Um, if it knows that, that very giving of what that could be could even destroy a person, or you yeah. know.
0: Okay, so is it a bad thing then,
4: to still be
0: in 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 an immature state? Like, because I think we often think, ah, oh, I'm an adult. I shouldn't be treated spiritually as a kid. Is, you know, and then and then we sort of work towards how do I mature and how do I, you know, because I don't want to be called a kid anymore. So. And it can almost be deemed as though milk is bad because I should be an adult. Do you, know, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, is it a
4: bad thing to be there? Well, I, I just think it's it's like, I think I'd reword it and say, do we want to grow and become all we can be? Um, I guess if, if Madeline or Lily, are, uh, they're six and nine, and if they're still... At the maturity level of a six- and a nine-year-old when they're 20 and 25, um, there's probably something wrong with that picture. Um, they're not certainly going to be a responsible adult if they're still acting like a child. Um, that's not my heart. I want them to grow and mature and to be able to partake of everything that a 20-year-old would partake of. So ultimately, I think it's just a choice, and I think God would have us maturing. He's looking for a mature bride. He's looking for a mature people. It's his heartbeat, it's his passion, it's his desire. So ultimately it's our choice as to whether we mature or not in the spirit. Um, that's where the, the, the tension lies because you know, people think they're mature because they've been walking with Jesus 30 years, um, but they may have just walked one minute 30 times over 30 years. You know, So physical age has nothing to do with maturity. So
0: would you say then the goal is simply to be growing? rather than stay where you are?
4: I think the goal is to know him, and through the knowing of him you'll grow. And so um, it's only at the true knowing of God within you that you actually grow and mature. And if I can just say this as part of the first question, for me um, the greatest aspect of the re- uh, the resurrected life is the knowing of God I now carry within me. Um, That's what that has done for me through his death and resurrection. That revealed position of Christ within me has birthed life. And the second aspect is what Clay was saying is that the possibility to know him a level within you where you're able to utter the same words as the Apostle Paul and say, you know, compared to knowing you, my life was a load of rubbish before. That's a possibility for us all to be able to say those words So, the power of the resurrection is about having the knowledge of God within you which will change you completely into his image um, which is why knowing him is the key to growth and maturity
2: Uh, I was just going to say yeah I think um, whether you're on milk or meat or whatever in between to grow but also to be healthy that the health at every stage of maturing, of maturity, like a fruit, you know, if it's um, raw, it has to go through a stage of growing and being healthy at every stage. And so um, you don't want to expect it to be ripe, you know, or, or, or cut the process for that to happen. So I think health is as important at every stage of the maturing process, and it's, a, you know, a real, a real work that's happening as the progression happens.
4: Because I think milk's right. Mike, milk's right in season. so it's not Milk is not wrong. Uh, it's just it's right in season. You know, babies drink milk. You try and give a baby a steak when it's born, it's, it's the wrong food source. So milk is right in season. It's just we shouldn't still be on milk if we've been walking with him for a period of time. So there's nothing wrong with milk. Milk's good. Life. Romans
0: six, Paul talks about being raised to a new life. What is that new life? Go.
3: (laughs) 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 No, No, can't do. Whilst they're reading. (laughs) I've done my homework. No.
4: This is what staff man looks like when a hard question gets asked.
3: <laughs> Heads down.
0: Can I go to the toilet?
3: <laughs> oh my goodness, how do, you, how do you describe new life? I think I've seen a level of freedom that I could never have experienced without him being present in every step of the journey. Like wh- whatever circumstance, whatever thing that you go through, the, um, the opportunity to press in to him, to come to a place, just as we've been talking about, the importance of knowing him, to uh, a measure and a continued measure that he is who he says he is. He is in control. He is the one who um, defines and communicates and shares and wants uh, all of us um, so close um, to him. And I'm not saying that that's been an easy thing at all to do because there's been a heap of letting go that has been part of my journey, um, that he has seen key things that my heart has been handed over to and now he's starting to reclaim that. And as he reclaims every, every step of that, whether that's my, um, uh, my family, whether that's my finances, whether that's, um, even my own perception of who God is, um, freedom comes, freedom comes, freedom comes. And I can't describe the peace that that actually, um, gives. But it is, it's, it's an assuredness of, of who, who he is. It's an assuredness that whatever comes our way, um, and particularly in, in the season and in the times that we're in, I, I know him. I know my God. And, and he is, um, without doubt, the only person that I could, uh, trust my life with. He is the, the only person that I could see, um, Taking, um, taking those concerns, taking those worries, and and leading me into that new life. And so for me, freedom would would be the top uh, of that.
4: Awesome,
0: Mel. What is the life, and how is it different from your old life?
2: Um, the, uh, yeah, I'll try. I'll. I'll try my best to, to describe it, but it's it's like I've been thrust into his life and into his uh, purpose and his world. And uh, so it's it's living within his context, like my little life is now been swallowed up in his. And, and so uh, everything uh, is influenced by him. Every... Uh, Everything I ever think of um, I go to him on, and every move I make i I want to hear from him uh, uh, everything is comes from a place of what he is saying, and who he is is what I live in, and who he is is my provision and so uh, the the person him as a person is um, I live off him, I live from him I live um, he determines and defines everything, and I think that's why it's so important to know what His eternal purpose is, because um, it then defines everything that I go through, every situation that happens, or every circumstance, or you know, everything—the uh, the work that's being done in me—is defined by who He is and His eternal purpose, and and so nothing is um, uh, random anymore. Every everything is is significant and there's a there's something he's doing in it and uh, there's just no separation I just yeah if I can describe it that way I just there's no separation he's in everything I do and and he affects or I am affected by him in every possible way and um, it's an incredible thing because it really does feel like a divine life um, I'm going to be 30 this year but I honestly I feel like I've lived. You love it. Let's put a ring on it. (laughs) But, um, no, I, um, you know, I just, it's a, a life that is so, it's been so full and rich since I've come to know him that it's only, it's only been, I think, eight years. But it's, you know, if I, if I was gone tomorrow, I'd feel like I have, I have wholly pursued him. Um, you know, and I'm I'm gunning for the fullness of Christ. That is what I'm going for. Whether I, I you know I don't know if that's a, a reality on earth, if that will ever happen, but I'm going for it. Um and and yeah, it's just this life. It's above. It's just it's a, a heavenward uh, perspective. And and I've I've shared testimony a number of times of just how he's spoken to me before things have happened. It's like he prepares my heart as I prepare unto him. And uh, so. It's not uh, getting surprised by things. It's not uh, getting uh, derailed by things. It's just an absolute knowing that I'm in the hands of the Savior who knows beginning to end, and he loves me. And, uh, again, it's that oneness. That's my that's my world. My relationship with him is my my absolute sanctuary, and life, everything comes from there for me. So, anyway, that's my way of describing it.
4: I um, it's so multifaceted, and so it can be as amazing as that. And at the same, the same level of an of incredibleness is I think when he gives you a desire to read his word. Um, so for me, you know, a, an aspect of resurrected life was not having a desire to read his word. And asking, knocking, and seeking for it and then waiting for it and then couldn't even tell you when the day it was but I knew if I was going to fulfill the call that he had on me that part of that was knowing him and knowing his word <laughs> a little bit tricky when you don't have a passion to read um, not just his word but really any book I was too busy playing football and um, and so part of resurrected life is is coming into that place where you don't have a desire and now the desire is fulfilled and that desire goes to a delight Mm -hmm. and that's where I find myself and I delight to read in fact if I don't eat I get physically weak and I know it so if I'm not going a day without eating of him I'm physically weak Um, and I can now I'm in a place where I feed on his word and I can go without food literal food not obviously forever, but that's 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 where his resurrected life has brought me into just in one aspect of partaking of him. Clay,
0: the uh, the new life that you're in. So we're talking about new life in Him. Is it growing, and how so?
1: Yeah, yeah, it's growing. Yeah, this is this is a lot of the stuff I find quite difficult to kind of get my head around in terms of a doctrine, because there's scripture that talks about how you're a new creation, the old is gone and the new has come, and you take that as black and white, well then there should be no old in me and I should look perfect, completed, which clearly you can see is (laughs) not the case, and Talking here about we've been raised to a new life The, you know, the old is dead in Romans 6 And so we're a new life in Christ So why why don't I look like him? That's uh, a constant frustration for me But it turns out it was also quite a frustration for Paul And You, you read from Romans 6 through Romans 7 into Romans 8 that He's talking about a battle He's talking about a battle between old natures And it seems like the old nature is still present in fact, his words in in Romans 7 are, uh, We know the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. For what I am doing I do not understand, for I am not practicing what I would like to do, but I am doing the very thing I hate. But if I do the very thing I do not want to do, I agree with the law, confessing that the law is good. So now no longer am I the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For the uh, the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. But if I am doing the very thing I do not want, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. What I find encouragement is here is that uh, he is grieved by this. And that, I think that's what's different. Before, he lived his life however he wanted to live. Now there's grief in him as the conflict of the Spirit of God within him comes against this sinful nature, and this is something that he is growing through. So Paul doesn't present himself as this complete picture, this this finished work. The cross was a finished work, but the outworking of that in this new life is something that he has to grow into. And he, he says, you know, I'm, the, I'm the, the worst of sinners. So I take encouragement that the apostle Paul was still growing through this, and he still stumbled. So I'm not going to sit under con- condemnation when I stumble. But like him, I want to continue to see my heart purified. And as that happens and I come to know him more, that work is will be translated through the life that I live. So yeah, yeah, this new life is is growing in me. I mean I think it's there complete within me, but I've got to see it released. And that's that's the journey.
0: And it's a lifetime.
1: Yeah. Yeah it is. Yeah.
4: It's a lifetime, but um, it's not like the the process is a lifetime, but you can be on the other side of that process for a lifetime as well. So you can be in the life of a lifetime. And so it's just there's a tension there Um, because ultimately, and I agree with everything Clay just said, but the same man said this, I strive according to the power that works within me. I've met a person that my life was rubbish compared to the the life I now live, so we you know that the full picture of Paul was a man who was on fire, even though he said those words he was still way 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 in the in the distance of abundant life within him mm. so I think he's he's encouraging us fully, but let's but at the same time you know let's understand that he's also he was a man that was overcoming.
1: Yeah, I probably should add to my comments. I did make that sound pretty emo. He's, uh, he's not living in constant frustration and grief. To the contrary, he's actually living in joy. So here's a, Paul is a man who's not fixated on his sin. He, that's not his focus. His focus is on God, and in God he finds joy and he finds peace. Uh, he's, he's committed to you know, ongoing spiritual formation and, and growing in his relationship knowledge of the Lord and that trans- ongoing transformation. But, you know, he's not fixated on sin, so he's probably not as grieving and frustrated as perhaps I made it out. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Else to add on that one? All
0: right. Simon. In John 10, verse 10, Jesus describes his mission as to bring us abundant life. What is Abundant life.
3: Yeah, that's right. I should have answered the last one. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. Yeah, gosh. Um, I think we, I think we had touched, uh, touched a, a bit on it um, with with what the guys were talking about previously, because I think. And this is this is just sort of in my journey um, that um, we we as believers we do we, we, we do focus on um, we can focus on our sin um, and uh, allow that to be the thing that uh, comes between us starting to see um, what this abundant life uh, can be and, and consider that to be the barrier that um, that separates us. Um, For me, um, the, the change in the turnaround was actually when he said to me, Simon, if you stop looking at the sin and start looking at me, then you'll start to see what this abundant life can be because everything that you're worried about, everything that you're hung up on, everything that's becoming an anxiety for you or that you're trying to be good for me... Um, is taking your attention away from the possibility of this abundant life, and so the the journey towards abundant life for me, and and um and what I'm seeing is that as I start looking towards the sun, as I start sitting at his feet, as I start um, chewing and 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 taking time to to sit and to talk and to worship and to love, all of that stuff becomes. Nonsense! It strips away um, because it isn't my focus anymore, and um, and I think that that can choke us. That can be the very you know, the, or at least one of the the things that um, that gobbles us up from actually experiencing abundant life is is where our focus lies. And and we have been on a, a fantastic journey about you know even focusing on the shadow of Christ, where you know instead of turning to to towards the face. And actually getting the full picture and I think the fullness of 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 Christ and, and what we what we read and what we've seen in, in Ephesians uh four is is available to us um as we as we turn our attention to him. So that has been my journey towards uh abundant life and more and more so of that freedom that I talk about is that as I journey this out with brothers and sisters as well, discipleship is is massively important. To this abundant life process, because if I'm if I'm journeying on my own, thinking that I've got it, and um, and then um, go off and do my own agenda, and actually don't draw others into that journey, and actually allow them to to speak um, to speak life, to speak love um, into into the situation, then actually um, yeah, I, I can easily fall into a state of, of being deceived. So I'm. I'm massively dependent upon the body, I'm massively dependent upon Christ to define what that abundance looks like and yeah, that's the journey.
0: So um just just something that just sprung to mind from what you're saying. Um I remember like one of my early on staff meetings, um, this is like four or five years ago, and and um Greg asked me the question directly across the table. He says, what, what is the life that that you're living in at the moment? Like, tell me something that's living to you. And immediately I went to my bank of awesome stories of what God has done, you know, and, and my testimony bank and, oh, and he's done this and, and he did this and he did, and Greg was just like, no, what is living right now? And I realized it's like an abundant life is where it's so overflowing that that, that it's, it's like just this morning is the first thing that comes out of my mouth because that's the freshest thing, or yesterday, or the day before that, not like two months ago, six months ago, last year, he did this incredible work in my life, and not much since then. You know, like it's like, it's like this overflowing. Life that just goes on and on and on because it's, he's doing the work in you. It's not like a one-off. And sure, there's like significant things that stand out or significant things that are a turning point, but they shouldn't be the bank that you that I that I fall back on and like, oh, which awesome story should I share now to show that I'm in this life? Because it just, all it did was God just exposed where I'm not. And it wasn't like I felt condemned. It was just like I was challenged where I was like, I can't fall back on these stories of what he's done because they're true. And yes, he's done them. And yes, it is life-giving. But it was life-giving months ago. And it's still, you know, there's still life in it because I'm still reminded. I've still got things on, on my wall in front of my desk where it's like, God is my provider, where he provided finance miraculously. But if, I'm, if that's like the one thing that I'm clinging on to and that was six years ago, then there's an issue. <laughs> and it's like, and that just shows, you know, it showed me where I was at, where it's like, if it's abundant, then there's an abundance of, of stories from recent, not, not, you know what I'm saying? Like not relying on the old to try and spark me again. Oh, I need to remind me what you've done.
4: I, th- I think this is, we need two testimonies. We need one of what God is doing external of us, and we need ongoing testimonies of what he's doing within us. And too often or not, we have amazing testimonies of what God is doing external of us, but not too many of what he's doing within us. And so if you think of the word abundant, abundance means more. So you, there's, a, there's never a lack so if you take that into an internal thing, do you lack, in the, do we lack in the area of love or is there an abundance pouring out of us, especially for what's unlovable? So it's like, is there an abundance of the fruit of the Spirit and we are of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness. Is there an abundance of fruit coming from within us? Hence we are the vessel of the Holy Spirit. And so that testimony is quite different than God healed me, God provided for me. Those are incredible, and those things we want to continue to give testimony to. But there is another side to the story where I've come into a love, and I'm able to love abundantly beyond all I can think or imagine according to the power that's working within me now, especially when... That love is demanded when you're being persecuted or pressed or what's coming at you isn't love. Are you able, isn't there an abundance of love? Take joy. For me, part of this is waking up every morning with a joy in my spirit that is not determined by circumstance or situation. It just is there. And so you live from this realm, of an abundant life of joy Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full, John 15:11. The whole thing is about abiding in Christ. And if you abide in me and I in you, guess what you'll have? You'll have multiple testimonies of an internal transformed life where you'll become rivers of living water that will wash others, John 4. As he said to the woman at the well, John 4, you'll become a well. That was a prophetic word we had as a community from Dave McCracken. Wells would go out and refresh dry ground. We are to be the well. The living water is where within us. Who's the living water? Christ. So when you open your mouth, you love, you give, you be Christian, Christ-like, rivers of living water come.
1: Abundant life, abundance, perisos, exceeding some measure, the standard measure, over and above, more than is necessary, a greater measure than is normal. Had yeah, this this picture of well, we, there is there is a life, a, a shadow of a life before Christ, and whatever measure that life served you and, and blessed you and provided for you, that measure, that's a, that measures a teaspoon. And where the world measures to you in a teaspoon, God measures to you in a wheelie bin. There's just this, his the, the way, he, like his love, if the world loves you in a raindrop, God loves you in an ocean. The measure in which he deals is just far and over and above what is standard, what is of the world. It's, it's hardly a shadow of w- of what he brings. So abundant life, whatever life we had before, there is so much a greater measure in which his blessing comes. It's just he's operating with a different measurement standard. And that's something that we need to actually come to understand because otherwise we'll, we're putting a hand out to take what is necessary, to take what we're used to, thinking that, oh, well, that's, that's what the measure is. But no, 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 he's offering so much more but we need to accept it. We need to take it. We need to live in that. Yeah, I, agree.
2: I think um, that's, there's a difference between survival and thriving. And um, again, if I just go back to that scripture about being reconciled to him, right? The, the gap is closed, but then it's living with him, from him and through him. And that's the abundant life. He is the abundance that we, as we, receive from him the measure of him and that increases through being with him and through intimacy uh it it becomes more the measure is greater and we we start looking more and more like him uh so we have that you know the joy increases as he increases the joy increases as he increases the peace increases um life in him you know increases um and so it's not just a surviving and taking what we need Um, And, oh, I need this. Even your prayer life would change. It could go from, you know, and receiving is good. You know, I think the disciples, you know, they had to learn from him and and take his yoke, uh, have their feet washed by him. Peter's like, this is crazy. But he's like, no, you need to learn from me because I'm going to expect this of you uh, with others. And so the abundance life comes from receiving from him, learning from him, being in yoke with him. Uh, So, And then it pours out. And we actually can walk like him, and love like him, and give like him. And so again, the, he is just the he is the abundant life, and it's it's when we receive from him that we can pour out.
0: And that's internal. Eh? It's like being able to love like him, isn't external because that runs dry. It runs dry pretty quick for me, you know. And it's, so it's got to it's got to be in you to come out. Otherwise, it's just like, okay, Lord, that was a good test, and I see where I'm lacking, and I actually need more of you. And so you come back to, to him, and, and it's like you just realize, man, I, I need more of you because when I'm tested or when someone pushes my buttons, it exposes just how little is actually in me to come out. Yeah.
2: And, that's, and I think that's, you know, the, when we talk about dying to self, that's the incredible thing of just just being humble. I mean, we're, we're coming before him. Like, he is Lord. He is God. He knows everything. He is everything. And us before him, it, it's like, of course I need to learn from you. Of course more of you and, you know, less of me. Of course, you know. And so that's, I think that's, you know, that's part of the process of just coming and going, opening your heart and just being like, I'm in absolute need of you, and I want to be like you. I want to be like the one I worship, you know, so.
4: I think, you know, dying to self means dying to self-effort. Yeah. And, and, and what we can tend to do is we, we hear these things and we go, right, now how am I going to figure out how to do that? And that's you need to die to that mindset because none of us can. We cannot change us. We cannot create and birth life in us. I can't change Simon, and Simon can't change me. So where we have to go as we go, we have to realize we're so dependent, utterly, absolutely, completely dependent on him to do a work in us through the power of his spirit. So our role in it is to actually admit and acknowledge that fact and then seek with Who we are, what we have, but we cannot do the work. And so, so much is dying to the self effort of that. And so often, and that's what he meant die to yourself, die to the way you've lived and processed and the educational patterns you've learnt um, of the world. Because if all you do is take those into my kingdom, you're actually in opposition to the way my kingdom is built and defined. It's of a spiritual realm. You have to die. You can't study a textbook. To be a doctor and take those same principles and study my Bible and think you're going to be a Christian or a Christ follower that's full of life. It's a completely different paradigm. I think he says, I'm going to give you a new life. It's not an old life renewed. Too many Christians are doing up their old lives, painting it and plastering over all the cracks. It's a brand new life. We haven't been this way here before. It's, there are things in the spirit that we are yet to experience and know because of, he hasn't yet revealed them. And this is part of the challenge is that we are so wide of the human, of the flesh, to try and understand God. I said this a while ago. You don't understand God's love. You receive his love and understanding comes. That baffles people. They look at me like my dog looks at me. That's right, it's of the spiritual realm. You will never understand God in the mind. You understand God in the spirit and the mind gets renewed by the spirit. Well, what does that mean? It means you've got to forget about the way you're trying to do it and seek him through the power of the spirit. Oh, okay, well let's walk that journey and then allow his life to be birthed within you. It confuses people because we're trying to understand God. Who wants to understand God in your mind first? That would be a pretty small God, wouldn't it? If you and I can understand him in our mind first, you understand him in your spirit. The spirit is where the capacity is, the abundance of spirit life, not in the physical. In the spirit, it's untapped. It flows from the spirit. The well of the spirit is unlocked. The mind gets renewed, so now I can speak of the reality my spirit caught. That's a renewed mind. That's where the life is. That's why keeping commandments and doing all the doings will do you no good if the spirit does not reveal the life of what sits behind the
3: principle. I'll just tag on to that. I just I think the the other thing is that we, and this is at least you know at least just speaking for myself, you'll only go to that place if you trust the one who's actually um, you know communi- communicating that to you, and so that that at least was my journey of Of taking me to to that place of of surrender was actually okay what what within my heart God is actually stopping me from trusting you, saying who you are, and allowing um allowing the work to be done because that will always be the barrier if uh if if i if I don't trust you if I don't trust who you say you are, so yeah.
0: how can we experience more of his abundance in our life?
2: Just be with him more. (sighs) Just spend time with him and learn from him. Seek him, pursue him. I don't
1: know how how else to that. Well, everything that Greg just said. Oh. Some good stuff there. <laughs> I um. I was trying to update something on um on the on the mini Mac the other day, and there's two operating systems on there. There's there's the the Mac OS, and then there's Windows, and uh, the. Uh, the old Windows operating system is no longer supported, and that uh, throws up a whole lot of um, lot of issues. I feel like in me, there are two operating systems, and one was supposed to have been deleted, but I keep kind of booting it back up again, and this old operating system keeps throwing up errors, and this one is not supported, and um, everything's sweet if I just run according to the operating system that he's given me Uh that's that's his ways, that's his framework that's his word, that's his will, that's his spirit uh, so every time I lean back on my flesh my old way of thinking, that's when everything falls apart, that's when I'm not living in the new life that he's given me but I'm trying to, yeah renew the old yeah, let the old one go delete it there's no more updates for that, just let it go. So, um, <laughs> forgive the analogy. But yes, that's kind of what I thought about after I yelled certain things at this computer. And then I saw a little truth in there for me.
0: My last question is how good this is his abundant life? How good is this new life? <laughs> potentially rhetorical, potentially something you could answer. It's like, if we, we just think about everything we've just discussed, it's like the, the looking back, the knowing our old, knowing that he's paved the way that he's given us new life in him, knowing that it starts there and then it grows and it matures and it gets bigger and bigger to the point where it's
1: Abundant. How good is that? Well, for me, it's, it's, it's like yeah, it's better. It's better than what I had before. It, yeah, it's definitely better. Made the right choice. But more than that, it's there. There isn't another option. Ultimately, there is only one life. Only He offers eternal life. So there just isn't. And another option, there's no plan B If I don't take this life, if I don't live in it There's nothing else So I have hope And this is the only hope uh, To think that I could not be in this If I meditate on that That scares me And then I think about those who are not in that There is only one life Without it Whatever life you thought you had is a shadow and without the light, that shadow's just going to become completely dark, so yeah, it's better
4: um i I personally find words words are too limiting um, It's too hard to describe. Um, I don't know if you've never had purpose true purpose and meaning and then to find it and what it means Um, to find a love that is all consuming is all that sets you on fire um, and fills you with such life that it hurts at times um is incredible, and and and, um, and that's why I struggle for words, because the English, no human language, I don't think can can actually put into words the life that can be found in him. Um, I used to think I was really weird, because people would say, when you have children, your whole life will change, and you'll love your kids with such a fire and a burning sensation and I never did um, and I thought I must be weird because I don't, I don't actually have this and I'm just going to say this that was the love I found in him because he poured it into me that was the love I had for him and, and that was all consuming and, and it was overwhelming and, um, and I realised that actually that's how I'm to love them um, this other love was 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 a little bit limited because if they never met up to the standard that I had for them, then then my love would come out, not this unconditional love. So, um, it's too. I'll just say this one, and I'll shut up. You know, the Bible says that there's. It's fully possible to have a peace that guards your heart and your mind. And it says, make sure the grace of God never falls short of you so no root of bitterness can get in you and defile many. And I think, wow, to know that measure of grace where no root of bitterness can ever get in you because the love that's in you just repels it. So you do not defile many. And I'm sick and tired of seeing the church defile itself because it lacks something within them, and our brokenness and our bitterness and our anger just spews on other people. And there is another reality that we could find if we would all submit and surrender our lives to Him, and the church would be one. So it's this incredible, He is this incredible
3: person that is hard to put words to. For me, I think um, abundant life. Uh, was uh, epitomised in that uh, Galatian scripture, where it actually talks about, um, you know, we've 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 often looked at it as the fruits of the Spirit, but it actually says fruit of the Spirit, and it's a person, and coming to coming to know the person who is love, who is joy, who is peace, who is patience, who is kindness. And having that poured into you, like you just, you know that you know that you know that you're living in it. Um, because it's, it, it transforms you, um, just as what we've been talking about from the inside out. Um, I can't help but love you, even though you, you know, you defecate on me and, and you, you know, you spew muck on me. I, I just, it's not me who's, who's actually doing it. It's, it's the Father's love that's, that comes back. And, returns. and so you, you'll know the difference when you're living in that abundance. And, um, you know, he doesn't condemn us, you know, if we're in the lack of that. But his desire, his heart for us is that we would pursue him. We would pursue him wholeheartedly for all of what he has to offer. And if those are, are the things that are on offer through his nature, through his character, then absolutely I want all of that. I want all of it and, um, and yeah, why, why wouldn't you want that abundance? Why wouldn't you desire that? Um, so that people would come to know him through your life and through the way in which you have relationship with him. Hard out. So
0: just before, um, we wrap up, cause what I think we should do is continue this conversation just over lunch. Um, but. Um, Just before we close, I want to ask if anyone has a question or they need clarity on something that was said today, Um, not so much giving your own answer to something, because we can do that over lunch, but asking question, if there's anything that was said that you're like, oh, that didn't make sense, or did you mean this when you said that? Is there anything? Be bold.
1: Well, I'd say, brother, if we, if, we're in, if it's in discipleship, we should use the words that the Bible gives us and lead each other into an understanding of what they mean. But sure, if 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 it's sharing faith out in the world, well, then you don't want to place a stumbling block then. You don't want to throw terms at people that they have no understanding of. So I'd certainly agree, but I think it depends on the context. In the church, we shouldn't be afraid of words and language, and we should look for the, the power and the revelation in them and, and allow the Spirit to lead us into them. But yeah in the world differently.
4: everything <laughs> he's everything to me so if you, whatever and that's going to be hard because he is the air I breathe without him life has no meaning well that might be from your perspective, but it's not from mine because so I'm saying my heart I'm saying he is my everything he is, he is um, my everything you know w- without him, um, nothing makes sense and if he's not in the picture, then nothing makes sense um, so yeah he, he's my, he is my literally my, my everything.
1: Sorry, what was what, the question again? Can I describe the life that I have without using Christian terminology? Okay, I am gonna need to have a filter here to work out what's Christian and what's not. Because glory is not just a Christian word. We know that, right? Um, there's lots of words, you can, kind of this good crossover. The life that I have in God is the greatest life that I have ever had and could ever hope to have. It is so much greater than anything I experienced before. It is so full of hope. And when I say hope I mean that when I think about my future and what happens after I'm I'm dead, I'm actually filled with, with expectation and and joy. These just this this overwhelming peace that it's gonna be awesome. And I can't wait. I'm loving what I have with God now, but I know it's just going to get greater and greater. And I would love you to know that too. Let's hit the streets of wine Let's
0: go. Awesome. Thank you, panel. Thank you very much. And thanks, everyone.